frequency 18, 36, 4, 82. Armerium Vox Eterna. The Strangeman's No Access Radio. Episode 9. Institution. being recorded now. Why? I don't know. Just seems to turn on whenever it wants, so... (sighs) Where is he? He should have been here 40 minutes ago. I don't know. He's sort of been out of it this whole week. Well, do you know what he's been doing? I think he might be in his room or something. God. He's been here every day for the past indeterminable amount of years, on time, ready to do his job, even if he's got bugs crawling out of his eyes or some of Rico's mushrooms going out of his nose, or even if he really just shouldn't. But the moment he's told no one listens to him ramble on about toothpaste, now he just loses all motivation. Don't you think you're being a bit too hard on him? No, I'm not. He's a grown-ass man and should at least be able to do his job properly. I just think maybe a little encouragement might help. Everyone has problems building an audience. It doesn't mean that they should quit if they don't immediately get one. This isn't the late-night talk show with Jock Tuckerby. This is meant to be a health and safety program about how things work in the Strangements Association. Straight information on how to survive. Well, he didn't choose to be here. He didn't choose to be trapped in this dead-end job. None of us did. We were just dragged here, or because we saw the wrong thing, or we're in the wrong place, or whatever. That doesn't mean he gets to be an absolute pain to everyone around him. And if he's so distraught about not being listened to 24-7, then why doesn't he leave? Why don't we leave? What? Leave. Why don't we pack up and try to get out of the association? I mean, can we? Honestly, I thought you would know. I didn't... uh, I don't think that... Let us leave. But if we plan it out and think it through, then maybe... Look, it's fine. We can discuss this later. Just rerun an old episode. Yeah, sure. Which one? Anyone. It doesn't matter that much. Okay. How's it going, skin fans? I'm your host, Jock Tuckaby, and with your many new surgically implanted cat girl ears, you're experiencing the Strangeman's No Access Radio. First of all, I'd like to welcome everyone in Site 13 to another day in this cold, weird, inescapable industrial office complex crossed with a shopping center and a spirograph painting. It may seem like that this place was solely built to keep you a prisoner inside your worst fears, eternally confusing you with their long hallways and different all-you-can-eat cafes. But remember, this place was made for one purpose specifically, containing and experimenting on the paranormal. You can't even leave this place unless you're grabbing one of these creatures. 
Speaking of which, we've got a new thing in containment today. A robot that's able to analyze all of the data points in the world. Weather, psychology, probability, all inside its tiny robot head. And with all those data points, it can predict the future with a 43% accuracy. Most of us in the association use it to check the weather, but if you want to know if you'll die happy, just ask the robot any question and it'll answer you with a 43% accuracy. The answer is usually no, by the way. The robot currently looks like an old computer monitor with a keypad for typing in questions, but that design's boring and slow. So we're in the middle of upgrading it, giving it a cool robot body and cool robot arms with guns and chainsaws that come out of the chest when provoked. It's gonna look hella sweet. One of the design flaws we'll definitely get rid of is that big steel plate at the back that says Property of Blakewell Robotics. Do not remove or suffer death by explosion. It's garish and needs to go if we're ever gonna make it cool. Now, some people have been asking, wait, who are Blakewell Robotics? And I say, well, Blakewell Robotics is another anomalous group that makes pretty weird robots. And then they say, another anomalous group? You mean there's more than just us? And I say, of course, there's more than one anomalous group in the world. What, did you think that this place is special? That you're unique because you've seen past the veil of unreality and know what our world really is? You are but a child! And then they'll say, alright, now didn't need the hostility, man. And I'll say, I'll show you hostility. And I throw the hypothetical audience into one of our hypothetical audience-eating plants. They'll be fine, hypothetically. So, it's come to our attention that not everyone knows that there are more paranormal organizations than us. So, you know what? We're here to educate you because learning about every single boring detail of our world is going to be a great time for everyone. Since we're still on the topic, let's start with Blakewell Robotics. Originally a small startup company in the late 80s run by Blanche Blake Wellingtons, the company mostly wrote code for old computers that don't work anymore and sold computers that were okay at best. But Blanche themselves was brilliant at writing code, the Codemaster they used to call themselves, and insisted everyone else call them, which they never did. They were far beyond everyone else at the time. So beyond, in fact, that one day they wrote an impossible line of code that somehow created matter out of nothing. So they'd crack the source code of the universe, could create whatever they wanted, and you know what they did with it? They just used it to make more robots. I swear, I'll never understand these people. No longer did they have to buy parts for their robots, now they could just make them out of nothing. And with this, they made many, mostly anomalous robots. Like the Hug-A-Bear, an anatomically correct teddy bear that hugs, but also keeps adding human arms to itself so it can hug more. An adaptive learning module that can remove all bacteria, germs, and microbes from your house and body. And the Apple Watch. We discovered that, over the years, Blanche Blake Wellingtons apparently forgot the code due to repeated bashes to the head from their very own Blakewell Robotics standard bashing you over the head with a heavy object robot. But before they did, they amassed a big company with all the money that could have helped millions of people a day. But it all went wrong during the 2008 recession, which was pretty weird considering that the recession was more of a housing thing and shouldn't have affected a robotics company. But either way, the company was bought out and now works as a baby stroller maker. A really nice baby stroller maker, but still a step down from the secretive heights that they had once reached. There are still plenty of warehouses full of the old, yet still very impressive robots. 
The one we found last week was mostly destroyed due to the bashing you over the head with a heavy object robot, but we still managed to get an antimatter juggler, a robot that keeps telling you you're wrong, and also our good old friend, the Robo Crusher 1000, now with the power to tell the future. Moving on, I think we've talked about these people twice already, but I honestly can't remember and don't want to check. The Let's Do Science A Lot gang. These people, I'll tell ya, they do not stop doing science. They can't stop. It's in their contract that if any of them stop doing science, then they forfeit their rights and have science done on them. They will steal your organs for science purposes. Don't know what scientific purposes require a goth piano, but I guess it adds atmosphere. But what have they done? What do I really mean when I say science? Well, a lot of things. Most notably to us, they appear to have made a monster composed entirely of blood-red tentacles that disguises itself as a human woman called Emily Vance and feeds off the flesh of the innocent. To answer any follow-up questions, no, I'm not being dramatic. There is a built-in morality system so it can only feed on innocent people. Guess that's what you get when you have nothing else to do. We have one in captivity right now. Here's an interview. Hmm, so what happened to our gang of highly unethical science boys? Well, dear listener, some say it was an accident. Some say it was inevitable. Some say it was the fault of the 2008 recession. But the Let's Do Science A Lot gang did too much science. And were, consequently, eaten by sharks. So let this be a lesson to you, dear listeners. When doing science, don't do too much of it. Or else, better yet, don't do science at all. Science is for nerds. The lesson here is that the science gang were nerds and deserve to die. Next up, the Church of the Stone Epitaph. The church was established in 923 AD. What was once a small congregation of some like-minded people is now, in our modern times, a small congregation of some like-minded dirt people. So this group is like an actual church, unlike most church-related cryptid clubs who just use that church suffix as a tax write-off. So if this thing is a church, then what do they believe? There is a whole lot of elaborate jargon about what they believe in, and I'm just going to be honest with you, they worship dirt. Yeah, like the ground, just dirt. I mean, to be fair, we all have emerged from the dirt, and will one day return there when it becomes our time to die, but joke's on all of you, we actually came from the ocean, idiots. And I guess that the floor is kind of the foundation for the planet we live on, but there's so much other cooler stuff to be worshipping. Like, I don't know, plants. Plants are cool. They can eat sunlight. We can't eat sunlight. Mark from accounting tried to eat sunlight, and he died from skin cancer. You know what? I'm gonna start a plant church, and you're all invited. But I've still got a show to do, so we'll think about that later. So yeah, these people worship dirt, which probably isn't enough to classify them as a group of interest, but they somehow managed it. On the 19th of April, 1953, one of the leaders of the church decided that, hey, since we worship the dirt, why don't we bury ourselves to become one with the dirt? Everyone sort of went, oh, yeah, sure. Most of them were in the church for Mrs. Baker's lovely cookies and the 15 grand a year the church paid them for being a member. So they all half-heartedly agreed, mostly because they didn't want to be seen as going against the leaders and getting kicked out. The church leaders decided to bury themselves in a remote forest in Italy. They succeeded because burying yourself, or a body, is very easy. Try it sometime. They were buried under the ground for about 15 days before arising up out of the earth and realizing that they were all now made out of dirt. 
Most of them were pretty perturbed by the change. Imagine coming home one day and your wife says, Honey, you're tracking mud in the kitchen. And then you have to say, But honey, I am the mud. That'd be pretty awkward. So most of them hid in the woods for years before we discovered them. During the raid by the association, most of the members were either captured or broke apart after being shot or falling over. You know, because they were made of dirt. This also meant that the Church of the Stone Epitaph is no more. So now we own the copyright to the name, and the church is just a website that says, Feel like a literal pile of dirt? Come to this non-disclosed abandoned building. A clever trap for those who may still be out there. Last one on the list is the Prophets of Aguilara. This group is composed entirely of people who can see the future, and to be honest, we were not able to track these people down because, well, they could see when we were going to raid their base and they just wouldn't be there. They're not really a thing anymore. They didn't disband or anything. All the members just foresaw that they wouldn't be going to any meetings anymore and just didn't. There was also the 2008 recession, which definitely made things harder on all of them. We managed to uncover one of their old hideouts. All that was left was some chairs and a note. I have it right with me, so I'll read it out for all of you many people to hear. <clears throat> Inevitability. There are aspects of this world that logically follow one after the other. Apples will fall, people will breathe, life will decay. Now, this isn't always the case, as those who have glimpsed past the veil of the normal will surely understand. But baseline reality is a good starting point for this conversation. Now, there are also things in this world that don't necessarily follow one after the other, but seem to do anyway. A new car will be driven, a houseplant will be neglected, a star will burn all in its wake. This may be due to human nature, the placement of orbital bodies, or just the way of the world, but it is still, ultimately, inevitable. I always knew what would happen to me. All the choices I've made and why I had to make them. I'm not sure if I ever made them myself, whether there was any free will in my decisions. If I hadn't known about my sight, my ability to see the future, would I have made different decisions? Is there a different person trapped within me, trapped within the choices I hadn't made yet? They say that most people find their destiny on their way to avoid it, but avoiding it is a part of the way, a part of the journey. There is no avoiding destiny. Even if one could move through time, they're only moving upstream, on a different path of a river that eternally moves down. Perhaps one like that, a time traveler, if you will. They could be the only one that can truly appreciate the inevitability of fate, without witnessing it in its full, endless quality. 18, 36, 4, 82. Armarium Vox Eterna. I wrote these words to which you have just read out loud on the 10th of September, 1993. Robert Quinton, an extraction agent, was called to the hideout to find any others of our site, and he read those numbers and that Latin word for a cabinet that you claim you could not pronounce. It was then read by 30 other people, recovery agents, cognito hazard specialists, and prophecy archivists before being read by Holly Greenwall to be approved for her show, and finally read by you. Once when the broadcast first aired, and twice when it was rerun, due to the host not wanting to do his job. It's such a strange interest to take part in the world of the weird, although most are either born inside or get dragged into it. But the choice to stay is truly baffling. Perhaps it may be due to curiosity, an attempt to determine and construct and understand 
the strange in its entirety. Maybe it's misfortune, those unlucky enough to be bound or trapped by the many entities that crave connection. Or, most likely, there is nowhere else to turn. Even if the doors to the Strangemen's Association were unlocked, how many people would be able to, should be able to leave? For all that can be said, the Association keeps their employees mostly warm and sometimes fed, which is more than can be said of the normal world. The Strangemen Association, as has already been discussed on this radio show, is not the only and was not the first organization affiliated with the Anomalous, nor is it nor will it be the longest lasting or the most powerful. Many of its documents are merely reiterations on works that had been lost to the sands of time and the claws of beasts. The beings that they contain considered their position in the association to be a familiar one. They're not even the only ones with a private radio show. Interestingly enough, they all fail in some way, the different groups of power. Whether it be through lack of interest, unfortunate accidents, or active sabotage, no paranormal institution seems to last. Sure, some continue for hundreds, possibly thousands of years, and maybe they might leave a legacy or something to notify the world that they once existed, but despite any efforts, they will all collapse. Some may contest that this is a ridiculous notion. Not all things last forever so it would not be a huge leap to conclude that all supernatural groups will fail. But those connections come from the mouths of people who only have a pixel of the absolute entirety of existence. I can see it all laid out before me, and it is horrifying. Though the two do not naturally follow one another, it is still an inescapable fact of our existence. Apples will fall people will breathe, life will decay, a new car will be driven, a houseplant will be neglected, and all organizations associated with the unnormal will collapse. Now it's time to decide what you may do with this information. All others have dismissed this idea out of hand as the mad ravings of a lunatic. Jock isn't really paying attention to what the words are saying as he reads this, and neither will he really listen when given a second chance but there are still some that may take advantage of this newfound knowledge. And have I really written these sentences, or have I just known that I will? How much of me has decided to inform you all, and how much is just inescapable fate? I leave you with only dire warnings. Ah, well that was pretty fucked up. I'm Jock Tuckabee, and I'm here to say that there is no reason to be worried about anything right now. Are we all made of dirt? Do we do science too much? Do we ignore the economic trend of our era? Well yeah, but it's fine when we do it, because we know how to do it properly. Nothing is ever going to change, we'll all still be here in 2-200 to 200 years and I'll still be doing this show no matter what. Anyway, just a quick note on the nuclear reactor we have, the one next to the cafeteria, it's about to go critical, so make sure you duck and cover and try to imitate ants to avoid the micro-radiation and also the regular radiation. Anywho, I'm Jock Tuckabee. Remember to never trust time travelers because the future is a lie and tune in later for more Strangemen's No Access Radio, the only radio show. All right. 
episode's over. So, what are we going to do? Hmm. Hey. Hey! Hey! How's it going? Fine. On top of you two. Well, we're trying to figure out how to get out of here. Well, th there's a door right over there. We locked in or something? No, I mean like, out of here. Out of the association. Get away from the paranormal and everything. Oh. And how's that going? Uh, well, it's been a bit hard due to the whole not ever leaving the station due to the many creatures that can kill us thing. Is there anything I could do to help? Well, I mean, thanks, but I'm not really sure how you could help specifically. Shame. Too bad you don't have any ex-extraction agents, the only people allowed to get out of this place. Yeah, I guess. Wait, do you know any? Doug, Triss was an extraction agent. Which means I might know a way to get out of here. Oh. Oh! Well, that's great! So you'll take us there? Yep. Are you gonna come with us? Yes, I can't stand it in here anymore. This place is just so... Triss? Is that microphone still on? Hmm? Oh. Yes. I'll just turn it off. This episode of The Strangeman's No Access Radio was written, edited, and directed by Lachlan Millard. This episode featured Bronte Thompson as Holly Greenwall, Remus Douglas as Doug the Sound Guy, Riley Bussenshut as Triss Barkwell, and Ryder Gavin as Jock Tuckerbee. Thanks for listening. Thank you.